0: I was not expecting to laugh for an hour, but that is exactly what happened when I interviewed my next guest. Yvonne Orgy and I have been social media friends for a couple of years now. And we've traded a million text messages and a million DMs. And I've definitely laughed getting to know her on the phone, but getting a Zoom call with her was something else entirely. You probably know Yvonne from the hit HBO series Insecure, a favorite of me and my girlfriends, or from her stand up special on HBO as well. But you are about to fall in love. She's written a new book and just based on this conversation, I'm positive y'all are going to buy it immediately. We talked about love and religion and what it was like for her to grow up in a Nigerian family and to come to America when she was a little girl and how she's built a wildly successful career by following her intuition and walking in faith. This is my conversation with Yvonne Hi. Will you sort of walk listeners through what you're doing, what you're up to, and sort of how you got to this place and how the story in the book plays into that? So basically where, where I am now is, I
1: think it's a different season than where I was when I first wrote the book. But the, the, conce- the conceit and the concept of the book was just like, hey, I hate when you meet people who are successful and you ask them, like, okay, so what was it like on the journey? And they're like, oh, no, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. It's like, yes, I I, I know that Drake song as well. So <laughs> what was it like when you were at the bottom and you tried to get to the top? Well, you know, you know, those days is gone, but we know we're just so happy to be here. I'm not getting a sentence. Like, this is not, this, I can't do anything with this. I can't eat off of this. I can't have faith for right. this. And so yes. it, it's like either people are, like, they don't want to show the unsexy stuff, right? It's just like, let's just let's just talk about where we are now. We we popping. It's like, I under... Mm-hmm. And for me, I just wanted to be honest because I was going through it in real time. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's yeah. like... I had, I, the reason why I wanted to write the book when I did, it because like I had literally closed the chapter on that part of my life, but I, it was still so fresh and so raw because I was like, I see it. I'm in the driver's seat looking in the rear view mirror, like, mm... Oh, remember when me and my friends still have that like, yo, remember when we was sharing salads with no meat? You know, it's just like <laughs> it was just lettuce. It wasn't even a salad, it was just that too. And we have these stories of like, yo, remember when we go to Chipotle and like adding guacamole would, it would get us into the overdraft fee? Yo, and I just I just knew that I wasn't the only one. And I know that you can it's easy to look at my life and be like, oh my gosh, she's made it. and it's like, yes, how's ever? Before we get here let me show you what happened. And right, from, yeah. And I just, I wanted people to have a play by play. Like it, it's not necessarily going to be the same playbook because everyone's journey is different, but it is to be like, you're not alone. If you feel like it's crazy, you're not alone. If you feel like I want to cuss Jesus out me too. And, and it's okay. Like it, it's, it's, you can have that moment and keep, keep it trucking. I remember when I was like, God, you lied to me. And it was like, one of us is a liar. I don't think it's him. No, I don't think it's him. But <laughs> that's that's how I felt in the moment. And so the book, yeah. is it's broken up into four parts. It's the burden, the um, building, the breakthrough, and the book blessed and busy. And so obviously in mm-hmm. the burden, I talk about how like sometimes dreams are a burden. You get them, you believe you can do them, but then they're so heavy. They're so heavy because so many so much comes with them. The setbacks, the rejections.
0: Mm-hmm. So back when it was, let's say you were in that phase, that sort of burden phase, and you're building, yeah. what was the dream? The dream was to be a comedian, an actress, a, like tell us the journey of, of what it was and sort of what were the steps that you took to build to this place?
1: For sure. So um, my parents' dream was for me to be a doctor. Hmm. And in true immigrant slash Nigerian form, I was like, yes, I'll be a doctor. I will be a wonderful doctor. I can do it. And then I took organic chemistry and I was like, I cannot do it. I should not do it. I don't want to do it. Like, I just, (laughs) organic chemistry told me no. Okay. Grace said yes. Organic chemistry said no. And so I re- quickly realized, like, mm, I don't have a backup plan, though. Like, I had only put my egg in this basket that I now realize, like, I don't even want to feel no more. And I to stall from telling my parents, because I didn't have a backup plan, I got a master's degree in public health because the only thing Nigerians love more than education is more education. And so I got my master's. Wait, and and remind me, are were you born in Nigeria or your parents
0: were and they came here? I was born in Nigeria, so I came to America American okay. sixth. So got it. I remember that in the HBO special, and it was so rad to watch you go like you're here and you're doing stand-up. And then it's almost like you're showing like this is the place that made me and gave me this comedy to stay on the stage. So it was super rad. Thank you. Yes. So I'm getting my masters.
1: Uh I enter a pageant because, like, my brother hits me up and is like, hey, um, can you do a favor for a friend who's suing a pageant? I was, trust me, I was not the pageant kid. I was bullied I was bullied when I was growing up because I had a deep Nigerian accent when I came to America and the kids were not feeling it. I was like, will you be my dad? Right. They were like, no, we don't want to. So, <laughs> so I had this deep fear of rejection. And so a pageant, I'm like, well, I mean, okay, great. Maybe. I was like, literally my only decision to do it was like, I'm free on Saturday. So sure. And I think I wanted to feel beautiful. i had been told so long that I wasn't pretty. So I was like, oh, I have to do a stuff. Oh, this could be fun. And then two weeks before the pageant, they call and say, well, what's your talent? And I was like, oh, no, I don't. I'm a child of immigrants. I don't have one. Like my only talent is to make straight A's. Like that's, as it. and they were like well everyone who's going to compete needs to have one and so i i'd gotten saved when i was a freshman in college so by this time i've been rocking with god for i would say five or six years and i prayed i was like all right well i'm gonna do the only thing i know to do like hey god what's up uh help it was a very simple prayer and he came back and was like do comedy and i said no <laughs> like what who do you think you're talking to? Like the girl who's afraid of rejection. You want me to stand up on stage in front of a room full of Nigerians because it was the, the Miss Nigeria and American pageant just very on the nose. And if you've never met a Nigerian, I'm telling you right now, we are the worst, Okay, we will not even like tell you you're not funny. We will just dismantle your soul by talking over you. Like. Whose daughter is this? Why did she think she was funny? Oh my god! Please, can I order a Heineken? You're like, oh my god, I'm (laughs) Like, They would just, they would just make you feel less than your best. (laughs) And so I was like, God, like no, like you got to give me something else. And I remember the simply Holy Spirit saying, "Well, what else do you have?" And I said, "You know, I don't like." I'm going back and forth with him. I was like, "You know, I don't have anything." And he said. Either you're going to learn to trust me, or you're not. And that was it. He was not going back and forth. God was not going to have like a a debate with me. Right. You asked me for help. I gave you an answer. You don't like the answer. Were we good? And I was like, see, no, come back. Okay. All right. So I was just like, maybe he knows. There's like I I, in the book I talk about moving from a morsel of, of a maybe, and I just was like, maybe God knows more about me than I know about me. Like I don't know what I don't know what that is, and this scares the crap out of me right now, but like maybe there's something to this. And so I, for the yeah. next two weeks, I walked around the house trying to figure out what was funny with this, like growing up with this dual di- dichotomy of being both Nigerian and American. And I did a five-minute set. When I tell you, Rachel, I did not pause for laughter. I didn't even know to pause for laughter. I hadn't, I had no idea what comedy really was. I just knew that I used to sneak into my parents' room. And watch Deaf Comedy Jam on HBO. And this is when we had the little box, and then yep. <laughs> and it, was, yes. and it was in one room, and you like it was overheating. So I'm like, mom's gonna know we were here. So it's like you know, <laughs> one television had the box, and I just knew I didn't even know set up punchline, I just knew that they would say something, and then after they would say something else, people would laugh. So I was like, I need whatever that formula is, I need that. So I was so afraid that I memorized my lines so that when people were actually laughing, it threw me off. I was like, can you guys stop? I just need to get up. I just need to get off the stage, please. Like, <laughs> I don't need your laughter. Just get off the And so that was the first time I ever did it. And then afterwards, people were like, Oh my God, do you do comedy at uh, baby showers and weddings? And I'm like, I do, actually. I do. Because you got to faith it till you make it. Right. Right. And, but after that, I was just like, wait, was this like a one-time thing? Like, maybe I was really good that week as a Christian and God like came through for me. And I remember going back and I said, okay, God, if this is real, allow me to do it again and allow it to be good. And I entered a competition for this like DC's funniest college student competition. I was getting my master's. So I was like, it It tracks. And I ended up winning for GW. And that meant I got to perform at the DC Improv. And it was just these little like morsels of wins that I kept getting. And I was like, now I'm hooked because it's not a hot dream. Now I found something that I didn't even know. Like, God, this, when you, when people say it was a God dream, this is a God dream. I'm an immigrant. I did not know Hollywood was a thing. I don't know how people make money in Hollywood or a living. Comedy scared the, still scares the crap out of me. So, It was that thing of, I know I don't want to be a doctor. I found something I love. I don't know what the end is, though, with this. Like, I didn't know any comedians who were successful. I didn't know any comedians, period. And, but that's where the fake wall came in. So in that burden section, it was like, I'm going to move to New York with $500, 400 of which are going towards an acting class. So now I'm going to move to New York with $100. And on the bus, and I talk about this in the book, on the bus, going to New York from Maryland four hours. I didn't have a place to stay. So I send a, a Facebook message like, hey, anybody got a couch for me to crash on? Um, heading to New York, be there tonight. A woman I met one time doing public health work in Liberia hits me and was like, Call me immediately. I call her. She's like, I have a basement apartment. My daughter just went up to college. You can stay there, rent free. For six months as I'm on the bus to New York. Whoa.
0: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more all built to last. No matter how many spills scuffs or pet related mishaps come its way. The leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Well, I mean, it sounds to me like I love this reminder sort of being led, right? So I feel like all of us are being led and we have this intuition and there's something guiding our steps, but not everybody continues to walk in faith or continues to walk towards where they are being guided. So what do you think it was? Was it, is it just the way you've always been or how did you know to keep following the instincts? Like there's a lot of people who let alone going to New York, but would never let somebody know publicly, Hey, I'm going to New York. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I don't know where I'm going to stay. Like people wouldn't ask for help or or guidance in that way. So what is it about your personality for people who are listening and they're like, dang, I really struggle with this. What do you think it is that allows you to keep taking those steps in faith? For
1: me, you know, I say it like I just kept saying yes. Like I was like, Mm. like I was foolish enough to just be like, all right, like, hey, can you do this? Yeah, we'll figure it like I'm smart enough. We'll figure it out. And like, and it's not like I'm lying. It's just like, yeah, sure. This is so out of my element. But like, let me try it. Men do this all the time. Men are like, right. they're not capable of something. And they're like, yeah, sure. I can, I can totally fix that car. It's like oh, right. a mechanic, you know? And, right. so it's just, and I think too, for me, I was not interested in playing church. It, I, I will say the Nigerian in me is very, um, I'm trying, I'm actually undoing it. So this is a new phase of my life. I'm being less Nigerian. <laughs> it's, it's very hard. But you know, we're we're born perfectionists. Like I literally have a tattoo that says mm-hmm. Nigerians don't finish last. Like de carry last. Like it's a saying of the country. It's like our like our motto. And but then that adds so much pressure to always be first. That adds pressure. Right. I kind of took that same, I will always be first with religion. Like I was just like, no, it, it seems pretty simple to me. God says do this. And then there are rewards attached. Okay, great. I can do that. Like, I, I know I'm a good student. I can follow instructions. And I think I just, I didn't ask so many questions. I think people, the idea of faith, you know, when they call it blind faith, it just required you to just like say yes. And like, like not like in a cult way, <laughs> like not just like don't have like wisdom, but it, is, it does require you to be like, I don't know about this, but clearly you must know more. Okay. It's Gideon. Right. Gideon did get a mighty man right. of who? Valor. Nah, you got me twisted. Okay, God. Um, so you want me to go in the battle? Huh? Okay. Well, you know, I'm not really good with the fighting, but give me my sword. You know, and it's just and like, he never had to use it. He never got calls that. He was like, drop your swords and uh, blow your trumpets. Huh? That doesn't even make sense. They're, 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 real killers are coming at us. Blow your trumpet. Oh, well, okay. And it's it's like, you have to be able, like, that's what faith is. You got to be able to be like, this don't make no sense. Oh, okay. God, God said, blow the trumpets, guys. So I feel like we should blow trumpets. And I think so many people in that, in that moment would be like, God does not know what he's talking about. We need to fight. Hey, get sharper my sword. And it's like, and you're going to get killed because you're not a, you're not a warrior. And I think right. that was me. That was, it was just like, mm, God say go to New York. Okay. But God, you know, I ain't got no family in New York. I have nothing. All right. Well, let me buy this bus ticket because clearly he's going to figure it out. And I just, in my mind, I'm like, so many people want all the steps figured out before they buy the bus ticket. And I'm right. just kind of like, I'm going to buy the bus ticket and it's up to God to figure it out because he gave this to me anyway. So if it fails, it's on him. Like, I think I just, I just had the, it's on you, God. <laughs> if it don't work out, it's on you. Like, I blame you. And and I think that takes the pressure off because I think so many people are afraid of failure because people will look at them as a failure. And I just was like, no, nah, God said what? Oh yeah, it's God's fault. Mm-hmm. I knew, actually, I, listen, I was just doing my part listening to him, but it was God's fault the whole time. And you know, it's never going to happen like that. Like he, he always wins. So it's like, you're never going to actually have that conversation.
0: Yeah. So you're in New York, you've got this basement apartment, you're taking an acting class. Then what happens? So, okay, let me back up. When I lived in Maryland,
1: I would do like church events because, you know, like church events paid. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting paid to do comedy and like $500 here, a thousand here. And I'm like, to tell jokes? what? And for like five minutes and it's like the same set. I said, what doctor gets paid five uh, $500 in five minutes? One doctor. What doctor? And I just was just like, Oh my God, I can actually make it. I didn't know like comedians were poor. <laughs> I mean, Cause I moved to New York thinking like I would have the same kind of setup, baby. They have these bringer shows. And it was like, if you bring five friends, each paying like the full amount, then uh we'll give you you know four minutes and it's just like I'm it's how to win friends and not how to lose friends and not influence nobody that's what that that book is called (laughs) and 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 so after a while I was like well this is not gonna work because one I only brought me to New York so I don't have that many friends and the few that like I do they're they're poor they're artists like me they don't have the money to support me every night and I need to practice and so it was the it was the moment where I just was like oh my god like how am I going to get better? How am I even going to get seen if I can get on stage? So one day I go to a, a um, an open mic night. An open mic is just like comics who are just trying out new material. It's not a show. Sometimes there's like regular audience members. Most of the time it's just other comics in the audience who are not listening to you because they're working on their set. And this particular night, this guy said, um, hey, I got to give up the room because I'm like moving to LA. And so who wants to take the room over? And I looked around waiting for, like, all these other, like, more established comedians to be like, me. And nobody did. And I just was like, "Mm, I'll do it. Because in my mind, again, I'm a Nigerian businesswoman. In my mind, I was like, I don't have to ask anybody for permission to get on stage at least once a week. And then I can meet other comics by booking them on the show. And then I get to be in control. Yeah, I'll do it. And I think what other comics saw as work, I saw as opportunity. Because how else was I gonna like meet other comics and then be like, and network and say, hey, where are you guys getting up after this? Great, after I wrap up the show, I'll come meet you. So it was like, it was it was my way of fixing a problem. And a lot of times people think that when God fixes the problem, it's like, oh, God opened up a door for me to always perform at this place. No, God opened up a door for me to work <laughs> and be responsible and have ownership And then also meet the problem. So, yes, no, it was not fun dragging equipment on the train every Thursday night, creating flyers and listserv, reaching out to comics, booking the show. But it gave me a sense of ownership. And I called that show, Mama, I Made It, because I was like, one day I'm going to call my mom and actually say those words to her. Cut to years later, I have an HBO special with the same name.
0: Yes! Oh my gosh! What, how long did you do that? How long did you run that that room? I ran that room for about two years. Wow! Yeah. And was that? Sorry, this is a dumb question. Was that lucrative at all, or it just sort of no? <laughs> I actually lost money because I would pay audience
1: members if they told a joke. I remembered, and that's the thing. It's like I was like I had no idea how to run a room. I just remembered that when I lived in D.C., there was a guy who ran an open mic. And that's why, like, nothing is ever wasted. And so he really enjoyed me. And so I emailed him, I was like, hey friend, um, doing this thing, how did you do it all these years? He was like, this is the kind of equipment to get, this is the kind of mic, this is the kind of lights, this is how I set it up. Um, and I remembered he used to pay uh, audience members, because, you know, comedy is not easy. And everyone, sometimes people are like, I could do that. And he's like, great, whoever tells the best joke, I'll give them $5. And so, I did the same thing with my mind made it. I was like, you know, and that would like entice audience members. Like I could get $10 or, you know, whatever tonight. And so that's, I, I did not make any money, but it wasn't, that's but it wasn't. Funny. And sometimes you have to do the things not to make money, but what I did make were friends. What I did yeah. create was a community and what I did get to do was have the opportunity to consistently practice my set. I should also say, I was working as a temp during the day. So that's where I actually got the money from. So I was like, I got the money from working as a temp and I funneled it back into like, once I paid rent, funneled it back into my mind made it.
0: Right. And I think it's worth saying that too, because I think a lot of people, especially a younger generation sort of misses that step. They want to be in the thing where they're working on the dream or they're creating the content or they're putting it out in the world, but they want it to already be lucrative. They want it to already be a paying job. And the reality for all of us that I know, at least in the age group that I'm in is that we all had that. We all had day jobs, and then pursued the dream that we wanted or the business that we wanted to have or the person we wanted to be at night, in the morning, on weekends. And it wasn't easy. It was a hustle and it was hard. When did you feel like you started to get traction so that you started to like, okay, now this can actually be my gig? So
1: just circling back to what you just said, I don't know if, if if we've aged out of this formula because you're absolutely right. I'm just like, maybe it's like, the Instagram, YouTube culture where you can, like, make money if your video pops off, that really makes, I guess, people of this generation, I don't even know where we are, I I don't know, <laughs> um, you know, of this generation who, who like, who truly feel like, mm, yeah, no, I, I, like, I it's funny because I have people who, like, maybe come in to, like, want to work with me or whatever. And they're just kind of like, Oh, this is, this is the long run. Mm-mm. I'm just, I want to be you now. And it's like, uh, yeah, uh, mm. it took a decade. <laughs> like, it, just, it took a decade. Like, how are you going to be me now? Like it took so much effort and work. and And maybe there is like a go, go gadget, <laughs> you know, button that people can press and then suddenly pop. I didn't know. I don't know that it exists. And if it does, please send it my way. And I Amazon Prime it? Right. It, it's just like, it's like the new norm. And to almost find a young person or a, uh, even a grown person who is like committed and dedicated to like the process of like, yo, I know like sometimes you have to serve and you have to work hard and like, and then you like your time comes even for me now, like I am number two on a show and yes, I get benefit from that. But my goal, the whole five seasons of shooting was like, I'm here to serve Issa Rae and her vision. Mm-hmm. I'm innocent because one day someone will serve me and mine. So how I oh. do, if I trick this off for her, it's gonna get tricked off for me. So
0: Yeah, what a beautiful attitude and also a very rare one in the industry that you're inside of. I don't know any, but but that that's what faith calls us to do. Like,
1: I mean, for me, yeah. I like I understand it because I understand it's like Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> like Elijah. Was a Elijah was a jerk, okay? It was just like I asked you to follow me. God did, and it was just like, okay, well I'm here now. Um, and was a straight up jerk. but Elijah was like, yo, I, I recognize the exchange. Like I'm just here. Let me go sell off my cattle. Let me go kiss my parents goodbye. Like, what's up? What's popping? I I got you. And then got a double portion of his blessings when Elijah died. But wasn't like, yo, if you don't give me a raise. In two weeks of working with you, then I'm out. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, God bless. You know, we love talking about uh, you know, Boaz and Ruth, but like we forget talking about Naomi. Ruth was like, Right, my husband is dead and gone. My her sister-in-law was like, bye, y'all good? All right, cool. I'm gonna just go find another husband because this is crazy. I need some kids. And <laughs> Naomi was bitter and angry. And you mean to tell me I'm gonna be with a disgruntled woman. But yes. my people, your people will be my people. Your guy will be my God. Where you go, I will go. And she went straight to a field. And that's where her boo was. So it was just right. like, <laughs> there is an exchange in serving. But I think people miss that step. Because apparently, being number two or being an employee is not sexy. Because a boss is where it's at. And I talk about that in the book. It's like, everyone's like, trying to horrible Redenbacher their lives. And just pop, 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 pop. And it's like, mm-hmm. Okay, you're gonna pop quick and and drop fast oh my gosh so good because also so like, Rachel, like there's because there's it's not even like you don't want to pop and God will cause you to skip steps like God caused me to skip steps but like in the seasons when I wasn't popping he was developing the thing that you can't develop when the light is on you right you your talent is always going to be there like you I can learn to act I can learn to do comedy but the character is like can you learn to be a good person? Like before the checks come, can you learn to like manage your money before the zeros come? Can you like, well, like, can you learn to still like love me no matter what is presented in front of you? Because it would have been too late to see zeros and see opportunities without getting my character and like my, like love of
0: God in order first, because (laughs) I'd be like, Jesus who? Gee, yeah. Right. Well, I, it's such a good, it's it's a good um, thought too, because I think people get that wrong. I think that if you are working toward a financial abundance and wanting to create wealth and wanting to have these things, which like, get it, live that for sure. Um, I think the step that people or the piece that they get wrong is that they think money is going to change them. Money is a magnifier. Mm-hmm. Money just, magnifies what is already inside of you so if you don't establish those i love that reminder establishing those characteristics now and creating the infrastructure now for the person that you want to become when you do have more resources and you do have more access and and all of that is something you can't know till you're on the other side of it i am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing traveltexas.com slash get your own. So do you think that you had sort of patience in that in that season of like being planted and like you're growing, was it hard? Did it feel like tension or you were like, no, there's a plan. It
1: was a lot of, it was a mix of both. It was a mix of all of those emotions. Cause in the beginning you're like, okay, I get it. God, I see what you're doing. God. All right. I will serve you. I will honor you. Yes. Hallelujah. And then you're just like, but God, I really also want to eat twice a day. At least and I, <laughs> like, like, this is now rough. This is now hard. This is now gangstar. And You know, I had, I hit my wall where, you know, we all get that kind of like righteous indignation. God, I have been serving you. I even, I am the only one left. You know, Bishop Jakes has this amazing series called Conversations in the Cave, which is where Elijah was like doing everything. You know, he challenged the sons of Baal. Like he was like, I'm a prophet. I'm out here doing, doing the good work for the Lord. And then, um, well, who was the queen who was like, I promise by tomorrow you're going to be dead. And it was just like, oh, I got to go. Elijah was like, you know, like he had seen God do all of the things. One bad chick was like, I'll kill you myself. And he was like, oh, oh the hell with this. I got to, I got I'm out. And so, and then he runs and then God finds him. And I love God in this moment. Like This is probably like one of my favorite like moments with God. Cause it's so real. Cause I also experienced it. And God was just like, it would have been so easy for God to be like, fam, so all the blessings I done showed you, like you just forgot about that because one person said they won't kill you? Really? I can't send my kids. Like it would have been so easy for him to just write him off. But he said, no, sleep and eat because you're not when you when you're hungry. You're not, it's a snicker bar. Just grab it, boom, take it. I feel like, you not you, and you're tired and you're hungry. And then Elijah woke up. And he was like, nope, still not you've got the rest. And sometimes when we get our backs so back up in a wall, we're mad at everything. We're mad at God. We're mad at ourselves. for listening to the God. You were, we're like, we feel like we've wasted time. We've wasted years and like, have just gotten nowhere. Cause for me, I was like getting spurts. It was like, Ooh, yes. Okay. Um, and what happened for me is I started making money and I moved to, by this time I moved to LA and I was working in a writer's room. God had given me an idea for my own show, but in true form, I was like, "Mm." I started and I was like, oh, this is hard. I'm not, I'm not really a writer. Okay. But it's, it's so much easier to work on somebody else's stuff. That's already going. So, because I had a servant's heart, I was like, I will also, I will work for you guys. Yeah, no, I'll do it. Girl shows got canceled. They moved on, created other shows. I didn't move on with them. And so now I'm like, wait a minute, I, I mean, I served. I thought I was just going to, like, go with them. Like, I literally, everything started shutting down. And I was like, I'm by myself. Mm. And that's when I hit rock bottom. I was like, I was like, Elijah and, and Elisha in the same way. Like, God, I, I was rocking with you. I was doing everything. And God was like, yeah, my hand was in those things. But I told you to do something that you never did. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you were serious. Like, I didn't, like, like, right now. Like, you wanted me to do it for real. <laughs> And he was like, as I'm like cussing him out on Sunset Boulevard, like not like actual Christmas, but like, I'm tired of you! And I'm crying because I know like you can't really be tired of God, but it just feels good to just be like, I'm slap boxing with him in the streets. And that's when he was like, what's in your hand? And I was so, when I tell you pissed off, I said, is he giving me another riddle? Is this, is this some kind of, <laughs> some kind of proverb? Because I'm not, I'm not David. I'm not the one. I will slice you. And he, <laughs> But I went to sleep that night, kind of like Elisha, I went to sleep and I, you know, you can't be too, too upset with God for too long. So I opened the Bible out of nowhere. I see Psalm 31, verse 14. I will yet trust you because my times are in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, last night, God asked me what's in my hand and I had nothing. So and then this morning I read my times are in your hands. And I think for me, what I had to get out of my mind was I'm running out of time. I'm getting older. I told my parents I would be somebody by now. It hasn't happened in a real tangible way. I've had some wins, but like nothing that I can write home about. And I'm not married. I don't have any kids. Like I'm running out of time. And God needed me to say, to, to realize like, no, I'm in time. I am the master of time. I'm the author of time. So whatever you need, they're in my hands. And I'll make the time make sense. And I think once you, once you let go, once you, once you identify the thing you're most afraid of, because that's the other thing people, we lie about like what we're really afraid of, but we don't verbalize it. Or we don't like, we're not honest with ourselves. It's like, I'm really afraid that like, if I get married, it won't be happy. And it's like, wait, what? It's like, that's like subconsciously. And so it's like, when you can name a thing and then you you can be like, okay, well, where's the evidence of that? And also If that does happen, it's not like God's still not God and he can give you a backdoor blessing. Like, it's just kind of like when you can decrease the thing that you're most afraid of. So for me, it was like, I'm running out of time, blah, blah, blah. So God was like, that was October of 2014. Rachel, get ready for these next 12 months. October of 2014, I'm crying on Sunset Boulevard. God tells me what's in your hand. I say, okay, God, here's the thing. I'm gonna give you my best last shot. If this don't work, I'm gonna call Celine and Michael Orgy apologize to them for being crazy and listening to you and go home to Laura, Maryland where sometimes dreams go to die. But <laughs> I will be happy instead. You got it? I'm giving you my best last shot. And I became a crackhead on a bicycle, okay? Because I know you've seen them. They run fast. They are just pedaling up a hill like, okay, God, what's up? And I started writing what is now known as First Gen. I was writing the script. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know if I was a good writer, but I was like, I got to get this thing out of me because this is literally my last shot. Then I had the idea to like shoot a teaser trailer because this is now 2014. There's not a lot of black shows on TV. Definitely not a lot of shows about Nigerian American families. So I was like, okay, they need to see this. I need to shoot a teaser trailer. This is now December, January. I meet a production, uh, an independent production company they tell me the budget is 10,000. I said, you, I don't have it. So what are we going to do? The one woman, Elaine is so sweet. And she's like, all right, well, I won't take any money from this. So if you can get us to 7,000, we can do it. I'm like, still don't have it. Okay, great. And I hustle, a neighbor comes out of nowhere, gives me 1500. I'm like, who are you? I just met you and you're giving me 1500. And she said, I have been in LA for a long time. I have tried to have a lot of people with their dreams and so many people don't do anything with it. I am helping you because I see what you're going to do with it. And I
0: said, Melissa, thank you. So
1: (laughs) she came out of the woodwork, gave me money. Money got transferred from Nigeria the night before our deadline because we didn't have it. And I said, and it's not an email scam. And he's not a, (laughs) (laughs) this is real. God is, God is good so we got, we made our budget. We shot the thing in February. We released it in April. It goes viral. I say, oh, I got to get this to like another Nigerian or another person that can like really sanction us. Cause like, there's no insecure at this moment. No one knows who I am. I'm just a black girl trying to make it in Hollywood. Uh, we cold call David A Yellow's manager. And I'm just like, it would be really dope if David, you know, sanctions this. David comes back and is like, "This is the story of my life. How can I help you? What do you guys need?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" Uh, he shows it to his mom. He's like, "I showed it to my mom. She really loved it." I'm like, "Well, that's great, Mrs. Yellow's lovely." And he's like, "No, no, no. By my mom, I mean Oprah Winfrey." I was like, "That's what you call her? You out here calling Oprah mom?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we're at a different level. We didn't know. Clearly, I'm. I just call her Miss Winfrey. But okay. Cut to we're. Pitching first gen to the own network. This is now June. July, I auditioned for Insecure. August, I book Insecure. October of 2015, exactly a year after my breakdown on Sunset Boulevard. We shoot the pilot for Insecure and we get
0: Green Lit. Wow. What's a while? Whoa. Whoa, that's so incredible. And also, I feel like when things start to click, when you really start to, you know, follow that intuition, but like take those steps to, it really does start to snowball that fast. Mm-hmm. It goes from, it feels like it's so hard, it's so hard, and then all of a sudden something clicks, and it just goes incredible. Twelve months. What I'm really curious about, because I ask a lot of people this, because I just think this is a fascinating thing that happens, is it always feels like the hardest part of achieving success is getting from the sort of very beginning to getting to the top of the mountain. Yeah. But what I have learned over time, and I'd be curious if you think the same thing, is that it is way harder to stay mm-hmm. where you got to than it was to get here. Because when you're you're climbing up this mountain, right, there's a direction, you know what you're doing, but you hit a certain level of success where you're like, Everything is possible, but I don't really know, like, did, did it feel like that for you or you feel like you still had pretty clear guidance once you're on the show, it explodes, now it's a different ballgame? Yeah, no, uh, Biggie's lyrics definitely made a lot
1: more sense to me, more money, more problems. Like, I was like, it sounded like a really dope, like, hey, yeah, more money. And then you get it, you're like, oh my God, he was right. I owe him a royalty check. Like, he was right. Because when, for me, I trusted God so much to get it. And then it was like, when I did get it, I almost, I, I felt like, oh my God, I could go at any moment. Like, it was, it was like, I was waiting for like the shooter to drop. Like, okay, right. okay God, like, God what are you going to take it away? Like, okay. So like, what, what, what's going to happen? Like, and so I, <laughs> I was doing everything that first season. Jay Ellis, my co-star was like, you're going to burn out. He's like, just relax, just chill. Like, good things are going to come, you just got to, I was like, he doesn't know my life, he doesn't know, he clearly has always been working his whole entire life, he's no idea how hard this is for me, so I was, I was doing speaking engagements, I was like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta stay up, I gotta stay up, I was, and it didn't dawn on me until I had done, like, like my sixth college, and I was in the middle of Bumble Creek Bumble, and this guy, the student was like, so are you doing, like, a college tour. And I, the question was so simple, but I was just like, no, what am I doing? A college? I don't, what, am I, what am I doing here? Like, I just, I literally was just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to right. grab every bag that's offered to me. It was like, what I can speak. Yeah, I can speak for that. Yeah. No, 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 let me speak. And just, and just was like collecting. Just collecting because in my mind, I've been at a deficit for so long that it was like right. said the promised land, I was like, I will never go back to the world of this,
0: right? And isn't that crazy? Because I feel like I never struggled with a scarcity mindset sort of the fear that it's all going to go away until I had something. Like, I grew up without anything and very similar. Not we don't have the same journey, but like, lived in LA trying to make it, working three jobs, you know, buying dinner at the 99 cent store and like being so pumped about it, right? Thank you so much for funding the the artist. Yes, yes. But um, I never really had that fear until all of a sudden I made this money. And then there was that felt very overwhelming to me. And it was like, oh my gosh, don't let this go away, number one. And number two, I don't know if you had this, but I then suddenly had like overnight, all of these people on payroll. So now it wasn't just me that I'm concerned about. It's also like, I have to keep producing because I need to make sure that these people are okay. And how did we even get here? And yeah. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: No, I definitely have looked like I, I was just like mad <laughs> this week. Like I pay so many people. Like and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like uh, am I maximizing everyone's functionality? Like how do yeah. I? And then and then it's like you get duped, you know, because it's like you you. Then it's like who do you trust? Because then you bring people into your life, and then they say we're riding with you, and blah, 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 and then it's like they disappoint you. Like people who you have known for years, and it's just like, oh. Yeah. Everybody's crazy. <laughs> like, just, Yeah. You know, and, and but then you still have to keep your heart right and love people and like trust people again, because it's like, you know, I'm bringing people into my home now. I'm bringing people into like my close space. And it's just like, God, this is hard. It's hard to yeah. keep believing. And at this point in my life, I will say, like, I was definitely a like seen through eyes of faith only. You know, like if you were like, I love God, I'm like, oh my God, you too. Great. Like there was no discernment. There was no like, let's yeah check. Like when you say you love God, like what do you mean? And I was just like, oh, look at that. <laughs> and I and I quickly found out everybody who says that doesn't mean it. And so it was, it was, there were a lot of hard lessons and that would that even went beyond money. I had to grow up, you know, because it's like it's not just like blind faith. You have to have wisdom, and you have to have discernment. And and for me, it I was always clear career wise of like what I want to do. But then my mission, I had to always check my motive. Like, are you doing this because? I'll never forget a friend of mine asked, "So what? What is the goal for you?" She was like, "What is the goal for you?" And I was like, "Oh, it's easy. I want to get an EGOT." And most people, when you say I want to get an EGOT, they're like, "Oh my God, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing! Yes, amazing!" Which is a Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So it's like literally all the major awards. All of them, yeah. Um, And so she goes, she's Nigerian too. So she was like, are you saying that because you really want an EGOT or because you think it's like the Nigerian thing to do? Like going to Harvard Medical School. And I was like, okay, all right, challenge accepted. I wasn't expecting a follow-up question. Um, Right. But it dawned on me, I was like, yeah, I'm only saying it because it's like, the hardest thing to do in Hollywood and only like a small fraction of people, I think only like 20 to 30 people. Yeah, yeah, it's a small amount. In all of of Hollywood. So I'm just like, yeah, it's like, it brings me into a small group of exceptional artists. And it's just like, you can't sing. So how you gonna get a Grammy? (laughs) How you gonna get a Grammy? (laughs)
0: I was like, i thought about this. There's a way, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like,
1: <laughs> but she checked me so much because, and so I will say that this is the season that I'm now in. And when I say I'm becoming less Nigerian, it's like, you're absolutely correct. And like, when you reach a milestone, the hardest part is figuring out what happens to like maintain or keep going higher. Right. So I was blessed to be on a show that written by Black people, starring Black people in a real honest, nuanced, vulnerable way. You don't get these characters often, especially as a Black actress, and really worked with people I loved and enjoyed for six years. That is also wow. an anomaly in this business. And I found myself like having anxiety last year when my agent sent me a script. And I was like, oh my God, I have to audition again. I have to, I have to go back into possibly getting rejected again. I, I I have, I've always, I've had a safety net for the last six years and didn't have to worry about it. Now I have to like, and I was like, I I retire. I'm good, I'm done, I'm done. (laughs) done. And you know, Jay, Ellison again, we, you know, we're going through this thing and I just was like, I'm I'm chasing the same high. And I don't know that I'll, I'll be able to work with the likes of people like you again. Like, how does that work? I'm now coming into that zone. And when I tell you, when I say I'm becoming less Nigerian, it really took a lot of work with my therapist for her to like, get me out of the perfectionist zone. Because it was just (laughs) like, not only do I have to be the best, I have to, you know, everything has to be perfect. And it's just like, cause it's like the Nigerian, like Nigerians don't like vulnerability. It's like, no, never let your house be dirty. Never let them see, you know, it's like, but everyone's going through something. No, 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 we are well, God is good, all is well. And it was like, mm, okay. And for me, I had to let that go and, and, and be, and she, I remember my therapist once, she said, why don't you be messy? I was like, what kind of advice is this? I don't want my money back. You know, <laughs> she was just like, things will happen. Let things fall. I'm like, "Nothing." I spent my whole life making sure nothing falls. Yep. Because if yeah. it does, I fall and I break. And it's just like, that's like getting off of trusting God, right? It's it's really yeah. like you're, you're, you say you trust God, but then you're trying to be God. And this year on my vision board, I was like, okay, God, I want my word to be ease and flow. That's it. I want my word to be ease and flow because I know hustle and grind. And the problem when you ask God for something, he'll give it to you. You may not be ready for it. So... I was just like, and he told me specifically, he was like, you are not going to have the capacity to use your strength and your energy in the way that you used to either we're promoting the book. I, we were still filming season five. So I was like, I can't do a press tour like I want to. Plus it's a pandemic, and, you know, whatever. And I was just like, okay, mm, you want me to have ease and flow with the, one of the things I worked the hardest on? No, 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 God. I I know hustle and grind gets me to the, the destination that I want. And he was like, it also gets you burnout. So I'm going back and forth. So I'm like, okay, great. If I do ease and flow, let it be successful. (laughs) Yay. And then I, you know, then I ease and flowed my way into it. And I'll never forget when I didn't make the list, I was like devastated. I was disappointed. I wasn't devastated. I was disappointed. And there's a difference. Devastated is like, what is life? Disappointed is like, God, I listened to you. I did the thing that was very hard for me to do. And I had a goal in mind. And I didn't reach that goal. And now I'm a little upset. And he was just like, "Who said it wasn't successful?" And I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Who said?" Because from my book tour, I'm guest hosting the Ellen Show. From right, my, yeah. From my book, like I'm guest hosting the Ellen Show. I got to talk with Dan Levy. Like, like so many opportunities. Like people are text or DMing me every day talking about how their relationship with God and just like. They're finally getting, making the steps to do the thing that they know they have been like lollygagging on for the last how many years and just th- like literally thanking me for writing the book. Again, God is like, who said it wasn't successful? And I was like, Yeah. Okay. Okay. And again, the hard thing now was just resting in knowing the thing that got me this far is not the thing that'll get me that
0: far. Yes. The thing that got you here will not get you there. And it also looks like, I think this is another interesting side effect of achieving success in a certain way, is that all of the people that surround us then want us to continue to achieve success in the same way. Keep writing the same book, keep being the same woman, keep acting in the same kind of things. And I actually think the greatest and most beautiful challenge once you have achieved success is what does evolution look like for you personally? Yeah. Like the one of the most beautiful things is this idea of letting go of something. And I always think it's interesting when we sort of call our shot, we, we ask God, we ask the universe. We're like, I want ease and flow. And we think that that is what we will be given. But the reality is that we're actually given opportunities to practice the thing that we say we want, Absolutely, which is way harder. So hard. I'll never forget when like
1: my schedule was, was, was free. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so lazy. Oh my God. I, sh- I, I should be doing something. I, I'm normally juggling three things at a time. And I remember just like when I had one thing and I was like, what in the heck And my th- And I had a therapy session. I was like, I feel so lazy. And she was like, Do you feel lazy or is your body finally catching up from a decade of rest? Mm. And I was like, I mean, that's a, that's a different perspective. I didn't know. know. (laughs) You know, it's 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 like a mind shift, right? And for me, it was also disassociating my worth from my work and really going on this journey of like, girl, you, if you don't pop for the next five years, you still pop in. You know what I mean? Like that's right. still, that's, a, that's a luxury that you get to escape and like only do what you want to do and not be beholden to the system. Just like, if you're not in the system, then they'll forget about you and then you'll never work again. And, then, and it keeps you chained to it. I have taken so many vacations, this on pandemic. I was like, hey, what do we have coming up? You know what? Let me go. Just, it don't even matter what we got coming up. I'm out. I was by myself. I've been to Italy. I've been to Morocco. I've been to Bora Bora, just living my best life because I'm also kind of like, oh, when my husband finds me, he's going to have to understand that this is what I'm accustomed to. So if he cannot uh, contribute or like accept this life, then you're not going to make it. You know, but it was also right. finding what. what do you like? What do you enjoy? Not just what you think you have to like or think you have to enjoy, think you have to do, think you have to be in order to like maintain, but like, hey, discover you anew. It's a new season.
0: Yeah. And that's yeah. where I'm at. Love that. For listeners who are digging this conversation, and I know they all are, will you tell them where they can find the book? Is there an audio book? Did you narrate it? Because we all want to hear your voice telling these stories. Like, Give us all the juicy details all the t- about where to
1: find so, it. So bamboozledbyjesus.com. Bam! Let me see. Bam! Bam! There she is. Yep. Um, bamboozabyjes.com. You can find it on Amazon. It's available on Apple. I do narrate the audio. And let me tell you right, right now. I will tell you right now, it is this is not your mama's or grandmama's Bible study. This is if DMX, Cardi B, and yeah, and maybe Mary Mother of God wrote a book uh about about their lives. It would be it would track. So, I I, I speak very conversationally cuz I wanted the audiobook to sound like a podcast, yeah it's like a conversation amongst friends. And the book reads very it's it's a very easy read. It's written colloquially. It's just like, "Hey girl, how you doing?" Like I I was writing it like I was talking to a really good friend. And so that's yeah. how it's going to come across. And then I sprinkle Stories about my life and the journey. And then I, I kind of cement them with Bible stories that are very told, that are told again, like DMX wrote the Bible. Nice. <laughs> yes. Like I do call, and then I may call Abraham the first F boy to ever exist, but it, it, <laughs> you'll find that way.
0: That feels right. That feels right. I mean, the whole um, A R
1: thing, let I mean, and then like she gets pregnant and it's her fault. That's F boy behavior, but father of many nations, sure.
0: Um, and then is this the last, this is the last season of Insecure, is that
1: right? Last season of Insecure, we're saying goodbye, it's season five, um, it's yeah. premiering October 24th on HBO and HBO Max, and, uh, it goes until Christmas, so.
0: Yeah, it is, honestly, my, two of my best friends, it is their favorite thing on the planet, and. They're very sad that it's the final season. But also I love when creators do that. I love when creators are like, we did it. We did this thing, and we're not going to run this into the ground, and we're not going to go on for 15 seasons. Just it's like that thing, like oh, we could keep cashing yeah. these checks, but let this stand on its own and be the story that we told. So uh, yeah. it's going to be really cool. Yes, yeah. we have. A, there's a lot of loose ends to wrap up in this season, so I'm excited. Who, what's happening? Who's with who? Uh, yeah, we're all going to check it out. Yeah. And then tell everybody where they can find you on social because yeah. you are always so funny, and you wear the best outfits that that alone should be inspiration enough to go follow your Instagram. Thank you.
1: at Yvonne Orgy. That's O-R-J-I on all socials, basically. Awesome. Yvonne, really thank time. you
0: so much. Thank you so much for the time and for sharing your stories and making me laugh for an hour. I should have anticipated that, but I'm, I'm really blessed to have you today. And I know the audience is going to love you. Wish you all success with all the things and with all the rest. Thank and you. And ease and flow. Thank and that you. way. I'm so happy Thank to see you. you're happy.
1: I am so happy. Yeah. You're happy is yeah. infectious. I love it.
0: The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted by me, Rachel Hollis. Our show is edited by Andrew Weller with additional production support by Sterling Coates. Our executive producer is Cameron Berkman. The Rachel Hollis podcast is a 3% chance production.